This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, January 5th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Dominion Voting Systems CEO on its plans to sue for defamation. Plus, what should video chat look like in 2021? But first, our messy vaccine rollout is today's one big thing. It's been about a month since the first COVID-19 vaccines were approved in the U.S., and the goal was to vaccinate 20 million Americans by the end of 2020. But less than a quarter of them have actually received their first dose. We're sure you have a lot of questions about what is and isn't working with the vaccine rollout. I certainly do. And so we have with us Axios Healthcare reporter Marisa Fernandez to break it all down for us. Good morning, Marisa. Good morning. So let's just start with why this is such a huge mess. Obviously, we don't want pharmacists to be throwing out doses, but why is there such a bottleneck? I think the most challenging aspect of the vaccine distribution is that the healthcare workers and the public health departments that are expected to inoculate most of America at such a lightning fast pace is the same population who are taking care of our sick and dying COVID patients. They are taking care of our elderly and they are on the front lines testing people for the virus. The federal government has largely been leaving it to the states to distribute the vaccines and states are pushing decisions down to local hospitals and health departments. Marissa, I know you've been talking to companies like CVS. Is it going to be the case that people could go to, say, like a CVS or Walgreens to get the vaccine? I mean, that's certainly the best case scenario. They're looking to try and vaccinate up to 4 million residents and staff in long-term care facilities. And so that's like 40,000 facilities across the country. And they've only started like last week. So they have a long way to go. And then the general population is definitely a conversation for the future. Marisa, some public health officials have said they're worried we're not vaccinating fast enough and have suggested giving some people one dose for now instead of two. What does the science say about that? There are some trials that say that by the time that the second shot is administered, the first shot had already had 80 to 90 percent effectiveness in preventing COVID cases. So I think what they're just trying to say is what's important now is that we vaccinate as many people as possible. And a lot of people are frustrated with the federal government and reserving all of those second doses and public health officials who are just saying, hey, we have the doses. Let's just use them because that's what people need right now. People are sick. People are dying. We need them to administer everything. And of course, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine that's still in trials would actually be much easier to store. And it's only one dose. So the distribution of this seems a lot less problematic. What do we know about access to that? We're looking at this phase three trial. We're looking at preliminary results, hopefully within the next few weeks, and then final results in the beginning of February. And if all goes well, the company will file for emergency use authorization shortly after that. 
The FDA said in a statement sent out late last night that the idea of using just one dose is a reasonable one to consider, but needs to be evaluated in clinical trials. It said suggesting changes to the current dosing schedule is premature and not, quote, rooted solidly in the available evidence. Marisa Fernandez covers healthcare for Axios. Thanks, Marisa. Thank you. We'll be back in 15 seconds with how the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems is fighting back against President Trump and his supporters. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. The head of the company that made Georgia's vote counting equipment tells Axios more legal action is coming against some of President Trump's backers of baseless conspiracy theories. 28 states use equipment from Dominion Voting Systems, But President Trump has clung to the idea that somehow the company swung the Georgia results against him, so much so that it came up in a press conference last night with Georgia election official Gabriel Sterling, who's a Republican. No one is changing parts or pieces out of Dominion voting machines. That is that's that's not a real I don't even know what that means. It's not a real thing. Um, That's not happening. The president mentioned on the call yesterday or, or from two days ago. Dominion Voting Systems CEO John Poulos told my colleague Dan Primack on the Axios Recap podcast, Dominion first started realizing it needed to defend itself after a White House news conference in November. Where Sidney Powell and others went in front of the national media and made some crazy false allegations directly about Dominion. And the software that goes in other computerized voting systems here as well, not just Dominion, were created in in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to make sure... I was watching it live. I had seen it being advertised, and I I just couldn't believe what what I was hearing. Poulos told us the company, which is based in Denver and has no ties to Venezuela, is planning to take legal action against Powell specifically. And in the Axios interview, Poulos didn't rule out suing Donald Trump. Is a lawsuit against President Trump still possible? Look, at the end of the day, it's our legal team that's taking the lead on in terms of where and who. They are, but you're the one who's going to have to make the, you'd have to make the call on whether that goes through or not. Of course, we will have to make uh, the call before we make any filing. Uh, Right now, the only thing that I can commit to is a complaint that we will file against Sidney Powell. You can hear the whole interview by going to the latest episode of Axios Recap. So I started my workday yesterday like I always do. I opened up Slack to send a message to one of my coworkers, except it did not work. The whole system was down, and it was a good reminder of how much remote workers are wholly reliant on technology to communicate with their colleagues. But our chief technology correspondent, Ina Freed, has been thinking about how our online conversations could become more like those serendipitous conversations that used to happen in person Hi, Ina. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Good to connect over Zoom, as it were. (laughs) As we always do. How would this happen, though? How are you thinking about having those more serendipitous conversations or meetings virtually with coworkers? 
It's interesting that you mentioned Slack, because obviously it's not primarily video, but they've probably done the best job of creating that ubiquity of serendipity, all the things you want. When it comes to video, as good as the tools are technically, I think socially they're very primitive. I mean, this is what schools are using. My temple has services over Zoom. My son has playdates over Zoom. And I think for each of those, we really need tools that are built for that. I was at a virtual conference last fall where they had this great virtual bar where you would enter the room and your avatar, when it bumped into another person, would like open up a meeting room and then you would be video chatting with this person you bumped into. Is that the kind of technology you're thinking about? It can be, but I think you have to go further than just trying to replicate the real world. Think about it this way. A kid's party is already going to be a bummer on Zoom. But what you could do to make it better is if you're all playing Minecraft or if it's a younger kid's party, like pin the tail on the donkey, like use the advantages that the technology has and marry them with the best replication you can of the real world experience. So, Ina, as we're looking forward to this year, how are you seeing things that might change? The whole point of my story is really that we had these tools and they were a godsend in 2020. That's how we survived a year cut off from all the institutions we are used to. As we look forward, though, I think really the question is, how can we make these tools really work for an environment where we may be going to some of these things, not just in the coming months, but this sort of hybrid life may be what life in the future looks like, and we need stronger digital tools. Ina Friedis Axios' chief technology correspondent. Thanks, Ina. Thanks. What would you do to change virtual communication in 2021? Send us your ideas at podcasts at axios.com. That's all we've got for you today. You can also always reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Nyla Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.